I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to Shout on uh, Wednesday night. We're a little bit late because Ryan Talbot's over there in Ole and fumbling around with all of his technology. Uh, I was actually running a few minutes late anyway, so we wouldn't have started exactly at 8 p.m. But Ryan's uh, he's got a new MacBook. He's feeling all technologically modern. Uh, couldn't get it going here today, huh, Ryan? No, no, it needed to download Chrome apparently for StreamYard, and it's just been a hectic day. Uh, my daughter's 13th birthday, shout out Ellie, actually my brother's birthday as well, so shout out both of them. So I've been racing around, uh, helping with ninth grade math homework, and now here on the podcast, so never a dull moment. Never a dull moment, and that's okay, because this is anything but a dull week. I mean, we are going to talk about... Uh, begin talking more about a football game that I think uh, it's got the hype machine is in full motion. Uh, a lot of storylines kind of percolating, a lot of respect on both sides of the ball, um, but maybe a little bit of shade thrown today. And we'll start there today. But before we get to any of that, shout as always brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Are you ready for Slider Sunday? Dolphins, Bills, what better time than to get some new uh, gear or some delicious food get yourself set up for game day every time you visit slidersunday.com you have a chance to win free products brand swag tailgating gear trips and more one chance per day and no purchase necessary head over to tops friendly markets get yourself all stocked up for the big game on sunday ryan Kyrie kill he's familiar with the buffalo bills i mean this guy has played the bills with two iterations of two different teams He's been in Miami the last uh, little over a year. This will be his fourth matchup as part of um, that team. But he was part of the the Chiefs before that. So he 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 understands this fan base. He probably understands what uh, <laughs> saying something about the fan base will uh, elicit. Uh, he was doing some media this week and said that going to play in Buffalo is just like any other game day experience that Bill's mafia is uh, like every other fan base. Uh, and it's got people charged up. 
got people feeling a certain type of way. Your thoughts on uh, Mr. Hill's comments? Yeah, I think that's just it. He doesn't necessarily want to uh, give the fan base a little bit more credit than any other fan base in this league, but he knows that Buffalo could be a rather hostile environment, can get very, very loud. Uh, Last year in one of their matchups, their head coach was begging the referees to throw a flag on the team for snowballs being thrown at them. So uh, again, I mean, Tyreek Hill was there. He knows what it's like in this environment. No snowballs on uh, Sunday, not quite ready for that in Western New York at this time of year, but it's going to be very, very loud at Highmark Stadium. Uh, the Bills fans are going to be ramped up for you know what feels like a huge game, despite it only being week four. And I think Tyree Kill needs a little bit of a history lesson. Um, this is, I mean, he plays for the Dolphins. I mean, one of the greatest rivalry-driven incidents in in nfl history was the whole brian cox era and you know the batteries being thrown him throwing up the double birds as he walked out of the stadium after getting kicked out of a game it's funny i was listening i just did a google search on brian cox after i saw this headline just to you know revisit some of those times because i grew up in that ryan we both did and and that was wild the 90s it, it felt like a different era of different game in a lot of ways it was nastier. Uh, that whole interaction between Cox and Bill's fans was so heated all the time. He actually said on a podcast and uh, it's called the fish tank uh, with a couple of former players that do it for uh, Miami dolphins.com. It was a really good listen. And the interview was, <clears throat> excuse me. The interview was done at the time that Brian Cox jr was on the Bills practice squad. So Cox came out and said that it's weird because when the Bills play the Dolphins now, I'm cheering for the Bills, which, I mean, I, I think that's pretty uh, crazy and wild to think about. But he said at the time, when the when he would go to the team hotel, um, when the when Miami came to town, Bills fans were sending death threats because it was the, the, the tensions were so high. He had FBI agents stationed outside of his hotel room. And would basically tell him, Hey, you can't go out and get anything to eat right now. Uh, It's not safe. Like that was the kind of exchange back and forth. So like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Tyreek Hill is leaning into the rivalry a little bit here. Um, I thought that they were pretty innocent comments, but man, he is very likely going to hear something on Sunday. Yeah, unless Miami gets out to some fast start uh, and can silence the crowd, he's going to hear a lot on Sunday. You're right. This was at one time the rivalry for Bills fans in the early 90s, the Marino versus Kelly days. uh, So much talent on both squads, and it always seemed to kind of come down to those two teams going deep into the playoffs, deep into contention for the, the division every year. So it's nice to have that back now, obviously not as hostile. You're not having uh, these agents outside your door. I'm sure if you're in a hotel here in Buffalo, it's a little more innocent now, but on Sunday, Highmark stadium is going to be rocking. And, you know, I think Josh Allen knows how big of a game this is. I mean, it's funny because I was on the show yesterday with uh, danger and Bataglia over on ESPN Rochester. One of the things I said is like, I don't think it's a Bills team that's necessarily afraid of the Dolphins. Like they're if you look at like the the NFL landscape and the way people are talking about this Dolphins team after the Broncos game, there seems like a level of fear for this offense. And maybe the Bills defense should have that. Now I, I think they've had some pretty good success. I mean, the the Dolphins ran the ball on them pretty consistently last year. They have played one game against the Dolphins without Tua, so that kind of 
uh, you know, bakes into all of this. But the game that they did have to it was a back and forth close affair. And, it, you know, the Bills offense just made more plays. Josh Allen, four touchdowns in that game, 300 passing yards. He ran uh, for 77 yards. So he's been good against the Dolphins. Now it's a little bit different. Vic Pangio's there now. Uh, the defense plays a little bit differently. They, they kind of tightened up in the red zone, which is going to be an area where the Bills have focused a lot this offseason. But Josh Allen said something interesting today. I'm going to read the quote because I tweeted it out. Um, and it paired perfectly with this whole Tyreek Hill thing because last week against the Commanders, Sean McDermott made it a point earlier this week to talk about the presence that Bills Mafia had in Washington. I mean, I, I mentioned it on the show, nobody travels like the Bill, like Bills fans. Maybe Packers fans, maybe Steelers fans. There's a few that are really good in the same tier, but it is unbelievable on the road when you see how many people show up for these games and how early they get there. And in the third and fourth quarter, I mean, the Bills fans just kind of like uh, drowned it out. The, the the commanders fans. And, you know, when Josh was asked about that today, he said, we're going to need Bill's mafia big time this week. They can disrupt the game, especially when the opposing teams on offense third down, especially. And when we have that type of juice, you can feel it and you can use it to your benefit. So it's one of those things where we've talked about this in the podcast in the past, like Bill's fans can get so loud in that stadium. It could affect teams. And now you have given them a reason to cheer. Yeah, you know, you you can rile them up and uh, the fans, that is, and that can lead to false starts on the offense. It can lead to delay of games, burning timeouts earlier than you want, communication problems between uh, the quarterback and players, communication coming in on Tua's helmet. There's so many factors and phases uh, where the noise level can, can play a role for this Bills team on Sunday. So I guarantee you it will be very loud there early on. Uh, the, the crowd will sustain it as long as the Bills come to play as well, which I'm fully anticipating and expecting. I think we're going to have a great game. And it's, you know, if there's one thing I'm sure the NFL regrets, it's making this a Sunday at 1 p.m. type of game uh, and seeing how good both of these teams have looked through three weeks. Here's a good question, Ryan. And and I want to get to, you know, we're going to take you into the news of the day uh, down at One Bills Drive, what's come out of Miami and, and kind of set the stage for this matchup a little bit more, but like, should, should the bills fear the dolphins? Like, should, should there be a level of concern? Like, I, I think some people watched that game last week and maybe have had a little bit of a overreaction to how good Miami was offensively. Like I went back and watched the game. I felt like the dolphins or the Broncos were like shell shocked. Like they wanted to be, Anywhere but that field, you know, we've we've covered this in the past. That heat down in uh, uh, Miami Gardens in yeah. September, it's brutal. And there was a picture shown, as usual, with the, the sun beating down on the Denver Broncos sideline. It's just it felt like a game they didn't want to even play in. And the one defense that the 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 page or the Dolphins played this season that was decent in the Patriots, you know, they held them to twenty four points, I believe. So, it where's your level of fear if you're the bills on either side of the ball going into this matchup i think that it's healthy to have some fear fear in the speed that the dolphins present uh devin achan now that he he's asked for his name to be pronounced differently uh, after his big outing 200 yards on the ground uh three tds knowing they have mostert as another back you obviously have hill waddles expected to play again they, they have a track team, and that's going to be hard to you know play against, keep up with for four quarters. So it, it's okay to have a healthy fear there. I think that Buffalo's run defense is going to be tested in this game as long as the Dolphins are willing to stick to it. Uh, the, you saw success from the Commanders last week. I think it was uh, 
was it seven for seventies or 10 for 70, something like that for uh, Brian Robinson, but they had to get away with it or away from it. Excuse me. When the score started to get out of hand, we saw some success with Brees Hall in week one. So I do need to see the Bills step up in the run game, but uh, no, they shouldn't fear this team more than any other team. Every team, when you go against them, there's probably something like last week, the commanders, wow, a D line of nothing but first round picks. There should be a healthy fear of that. But as long as you come prepared and ready and step up your game, it can be just like last week where Buffalo had the answers to continue that line. Buffalo, I'm sure Sean McDermott, as soon as that game was over on Sunday against the Commanders, he, he was licking his chops just saying, I can be the guy that comes up with the blueprint to slow down this offense. And to your credit, that Patriots game, uh, it, it felt out of hand or it felt like it was definitely a one-sided affair. But at the very end, the Patriots found themselves in it. They were driving to tie the game. Uh, late so they you know they show that there are ways to slow them down if you have a good defense we saw that the Chargers could put up points against them so this is not like they've been going up 70 to nothing three straight weeks now they've, they've been in two really close games week one and week two and then they they steamrolled a, a really bad uh what you know maybe worse than expected Denver Broncos team in week three a um, couple questions about Kyer Elam here in the chat, and Mike Trotter actually brings up an interesting point that I, I kind of agree with. Um, I personally like the one o'clock games from a coverage perspective because it gets us home in time Big for time. dinner. But it, those night games, like the the opener uh, against the Jets, it's like you get into the the weekend of football, you you go through the college Saturday, and then you go through the one and four o'clock. Then you have the night, and it's like you're waiting and waiting and waiting to get the game going. There is an element to all right, come out at, at, on Sunday at one in that natural time slot. The weather is probably going to be beautiful. As a matter of fact, I saw that earlier in the show. Somebody asking me about weather, and I'll just—I'll give you the quick app look. And then this is by no means an exact prediction, but high of seventy-eight, sunny, um, very low chance of precipitation. Right now, it is zero uh, percent chance uh, for that day. So, I mean, perfect September weather for this game should be pretty good. Um, Elam, some questions about Elam in here and whether or not he'll address for this game. You know, I think it's too early to tell. I think it's, it's something that I thought would be a good idea. And we talked about it on the show a couple days ago after the game, you know, how much has he been, how many reps has he, has he gotten? How many, um, chances has he got in this defense since the season started? Those are questions that you got to ask yourself. There's speed there. And, you know, if he can add a, an extra element, maybe he can play some reps on special teams. Saran Neal, if you notice, Ryan, is on the injury report today with an ankle injury. If there's a situation where he can't go, okay, well, now all of a sudden you, you, you have a roster spot available. It only makes sense to maybe bring a guy like Elam out who can maybe do some things on teams, throw him out there for a couple series, especially have him in case things go bad with um, what you have on the field ahead of him. Yeah, and first and foremost, I think you might be on the injury report there, Matt, after Caitlin just came into the chat and said, home in time for dinner? Seriously? Ooh, she came after you, and that was a, that was a, you know, a knockout punch, but before no, I usually work counter. until nine o'clock, but like, listen, I can, I, I can grab some dinner on the way home. Like that's, that's right, home in time right. for dinner. Is it not? I think it is. I think it is. Uh, okay. but to, to your point, you know, if Saran Neal cannot go, the, the bills could certainly go with Kyrie Lama. And it might not just be a either or situation with Saran Neal. We talked about this, like you alluded to, there is a certain type of speed that Kyrie Lama has and, and has game speed that can keep up 
uh, with the Tyree Kills and the Jalen Waddles of the world. And last year he was graded favorably by Pro Football Focus in the in terms of coverage against Miami. And it's a very small sample size. Obviously, last year was his rookie year. Uh, but there's a lot to like about his game and how he matches up. Now, it would be a big shift in Buffalo's thinking after three weeks to throw Elam out there for meaningful reps and say, you know, press these guys at the line, throw them off their route. It's not something the Bills have done the first three weeks. Is it possible? Yes. Um, but if he is active, I think it might be as more of a rotational role, smaller role, might be purely in a zone type of role. But he still has the athleticism that I think this is a matchup where you want to have him on the field by any means possible. So I still think there's a decent shot he's active on Sunday. Uh, angry Corky over on YouTube with the $5 super chat. All I wanted to say is go bills. There you go. Big week. Uh, just getting the message out there uh, with Tyreek Hill, uh, obviously bringing some heat of his own. I'm not surprised. Like Tyreek Hill likes to kind of just like get people riled up in general. He's a big gamer. I'm sure he uh, uh, he's talking some trash on the, on the headset. Like remember when, like when we were kids and, and, and online gaming was just starting. Like I remember my buddy down the street would always play uh halo. And I'd go over to his house and I wasn't really up on the, on the game yet. Like I didn't understand um, what you were doing. I didn't, I didn't, even, I don't even know if I had an Xbox or whatever it was at the time. He might've been playing online, but I go over his house and he'd just be like, absolutely laying into some, to some kid. It sounded like, like, a, like a 10 year old kid on the other line. Like I just headshotted you or whatever. I was like, okay, dude, this is, this is not my jam. I can see Tyreek Hill being real uh, charismatic in that department. Yeah, he, he knew exactly what he, what he was doing ahead of the game to try, try to rile up this fan base. He knows how passionate they are because, like you said, before Miami, he's been with the Chiefs. And, you know, obviously not the same division, but it sure has felt that way for the past five-plus years. It feels like every single year they've played each other, whether it was the Bills going up against the uh, AFC West these last few years where it's first place versus first place in the divisions, and they've always been matched up. So th there is a longer history here. Uh, then maybe some realize, and he, he knew exactly what he was doing. All right, Benjamin Carr over on YouTube. Love Hyde and Poyer, but think they have both lost a step. Concerned about them containing explosive plays. And I listen, I think that's a fair concern to have. You know, you're going into this game too with both guys nursing injuries. I mean, Hyde played with a hamstring last week. He didn't practice today, uh, listed with a hamstring again. Now he finished the game. They obviously brought him out when the starters came out. But that was a situation where, okay, he played through it. He looked good, had an interception. So I think you're probably on a good path with him. Knee soreness for Jordan Hoyer. So again, very likely it's maintenance kind of thing, but neither talked today, which I thought was interesting. And, and so we'll have to kind of track that throughout the week to see if Poyer's maybe limited tomorrow, see if he's able to go. Leonard Floyd still with that ankle injury. He was working off uh, on the bike today. I don't think that it'll be a problem. I think they're just you know play, slow playing that. But yeah, you have two older safeties, Ryan, that are both dealing with some nagging injuries in a game where speed is paramount, and they're both lower body injuries. So I think it's a, a fair concern to have. And I think that what makes me a little bit extra concerned from the Poyer perspective is all the things that they ask him to do specifically against this team. Like you have this number one ranked rushing attack. They're averaging 188 on the ground this year. They had 188 in the regular season game here last year in December. You're going to need him to be a big part of that. 
And then you're going to have to ask him to cover and react and to get after, you know, Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill and so on and so forth. Like it is a huge assignment for both of those guys on the back end. Yeah. And, you know, starting with Micah Hyde, I thought he actually showed uh, a great burst, great jump, jumping the route last week, getting an interception uh, in that game against the commanders. I've been very happy overall with what I've seen from him over the first three weeks. You know, Poyer, early on, week one, he took some bad angles. He didn't look like himself. I think he's improved as well, but they're both on the injury list. You you worry about that. Part of me wonders if Jordan Poyer is going into this game with some extra motivation, Matt. If there was a team that he was linked mm. to this offseason going into free agency, it was the Miami Dolphins. And I know some of these reports, uh, maybe they're credible, maybe they're not, but it sure seemed like at one time he and the Dolphins were a match made in heaven. It was going to happen almost, and it didn't for whatever reason. That's where he's, you know, he has a house at. I, I'm sure that maybe he wants to show them, hey, you made a mistake not signing me this offseason, letting me come back to Buffalo. Motivation is a funny thing. It doesn't make you any faster. So I, I know going back to the original question, have they lost a step? I don't think they've lost a significant step. I think with the aging process, yes, you're not quite the same as you once were. Uh, you might not be able to take the same angles you once did. You might have to be sharper in that area. But I think they're both still more than capable of stepping up and helping this team out in a big-time matchup on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I, some people are talking about, like, three safety looks. Like, I'm not going into this expecting that. Like, even Tua, I felt, listening to his press conference today, and I want to talk about somebody he specifically highlighted, which I think is so interesting that – this guy is starting to get real like notoriety around the league. And I think it's happened for a couple of years now, but it seems more consistent recently. You know, I don't think the bills are going to change who they are for this matchup. Like, I don't know how much they, even in a, in a week like this, how much they would even have time to wrap three safety when we didn't see it all throughout training camp. And, you know, I think that when you try to do something too different and gets uh, get outside of, what you are good at and what you do. That's when I think you can, you can run into some problems. And, you know, I, I think it's boring when Sean, like as a reporter, when Sean McDermott leans into fundamentals, 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 but he's right. Like you have to be on your game from a tackling perspective, from a ball recognition perspective, being able to communicate and, and work within your rules out there on defense. I mean, those are all really important factors when playing this team. Like, most guys on the defense, I don't know if there's any guy that runs as fast as Tyree Kill in the NFL. So you're not going to run him down in the open field. But as a collective population of the football, Tremaine Edmonds always talked about it. That's a really important piece of this game. I think they're going to more lean towards that and stay with what they do rather than try to change things up with a with a look with. By the way, Ryan, like when Teller Rapp has been on the field, they've tried to get him out there. It hasn't gone great early in the season. Right. It's a, Yeah, it's gone poorly at times. You're right. And his snaps have been limited, and it goes back to maybe that Kyrie Elam question as well. I could see him getting sprinkled in. I don't see him starting this game, playing a significant role. I don't see Taylor Rapp playing this huge role where all of a sudden he jumps to 80 85% of the reps or anything like that in this game. They're going to get sprinkled in possibly in the case of Elam and definitely in the case of Rapp, but I don't see it changing significantly. Like you said, if you change everything about your identity, whether it's on offense or defense, Generally, doing that on the fly does not go well for you. Now, you know, we, we've seen the Bills make some fundamental changes from last year to this year, 
uh, leaning into the run game a little bit more, really trying to get it going over four quarters. So by the end of the game, uh, you, you can have James Cook ripping off big runs because the opposing team is tired. That has been an improvement. They, they really did struggle to run, but this is not like it, it's a run first team. Now it, it's gotta be a slow progression. I don't expect the bills to come out with any kind of uh, new packages that they're going to play in a significant amount of time against this Dolphins team. It comes down to gap integrity, another Sean McDermott favorite. It comes down to execution on offense, being better in the red zone on offense when you're Buffalo. Uh, You know, this bend but not break. Both teams kind of feature a bend but don't break defense. The Bills have been really good at that. Over the years, this year they've really limited points and made plays deep in their own end. Uh, like last week when they had a few turnovers, they just have to play within themselves. And I think at the end of the day, they'll still be they'll still be in this game and or winning this game uh, late when when it matters. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. See some uh, worry about the, the Dolphins running game. And listen, this isn't anything new that Miami is doing. I mean, they were an elite run team last year. Mike McDaniel's offense it's predicated on that healthy, um, unrelenting, like consistent running game. And then they've had that last year in the December game, they ran 25 times for 188 yards. Mostert had 136 yards on 17 carries. So they were consistently moving the ball with that part of their game. I mean, two was 17, 30, two, 34, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Tyreek Hills nine for 69 and touchdown Waddle three for 114 and, you know, touch. I mean, you're probably going to have all those things, right? You're going to have those four. Now you got Achen that you're adding to the mix that, you know, completely adds another element to this thing. You're going to have all those guys get theirs. But here's the important stats for me in this game. First of all, third down. The Bills were eight for 14 for 57% uh, last year in this game. That what that does, and Sean was asked about this today, is it keeps their offense off the field when you're con- converting on third down. It's important. the The Dolphins were five of fourteen for thirty six percent. They the Bills won by three points, and the and the Dolphins were one for three in the red zone. So as long as you're not giving up those massive explosives, and you can somehow turn in a thirty ish, forty ish percent conversion rate in the red zone, you give yourself a chance with the success that this Bills offense has had against the Dolphins. Yeah, and you know, I recently recently rewatched that uh, December game, and honestly, uh, a big part of the Bills' win was Mike McDaniel. I think outsmarting himself at times. Mm. The run game was working really well, and in these third and short, fourth and short situations, he kept going to the pass. And if he had kind of stuck with most of those <laughs> situations, the way that he was running in that game, there could have been a completely different outcome. The Bills made big plays on those pass attempts by Tagovailoa. Uh, batted passes, incomplete passes, just got after him at times. And, and it was really a change in their fortunes too when the snow started coming down as well. But it, it could have been a completely different uh, outcome that that game for the entire season, regular season. It could have been a, a sweep for Miami. It's really interesting how a few play calls can turn around an entire game. 
So the Bills, though, they, if they can come out, they can kind of slow down this run a little bit. They've done a very good job over the years of limiting the big play, that explosive play uh, that goes downfield for the big gainers. Yes, you can dink and dunk against them. And I think that's the game plan for both teams. Make you beat us. You know, you're going to have to beat us by taking what they give you and moving the chains, not setting yourself up for failure with penalties, backing yourself up, taking a sack, making these bad plays. And whichever team can out-execute the other at the end of the day will win this one. Uh, if you want to be a big winner as a Bills fan, you got to sign up to become a Shout Bills insider. On the text line right now, text 716-528-6727. You will become an insider. You get a two-week free trial, then $3.99 a month after that. And it gives you one-on-two access to Ryan Talbot. That's really the, the, the bulk of... Uh, you know, the value there. And myself, Matt Perino, the shout text line too is brought to you right now by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at 716-852-1234. Let him know the shout boy sent you or check out litrolaw.com. All right, Ryan, let's go to this injury report for the Miami Dolphins, because it, it it's a little bit longer than the Bills. Uh, five, although the same amount of five uh, did not practices. And I want to talk first about the offensive lineman, Taron Armstead, Connor Williams at center. You know, this offensive line unit for Miami has been elite in pass protection. I, I retweeted uh, a tweet uh, this morning from an analytic uh, analytics Twitter account. Um, I can't remember the name, but I'll look it up. And if you want to find the the numbers, they're on my Twitter account. And it it put pulled together three different grading criteria, like PFF, Sports Information Solutions, and maybe True Media, in terms of how they rate offensive line play. And if you combine all three of those metrics. The Miami Dolphins are the number one ranked offensive line pass blocking in the NFL right now, which that is crazy to think about. I mean, this was a unit going into the season that I had question marks about. So they're really good. Taron Armstead's on the injury report. He was last week too. He ended up playing. I think it's a similar situation to Micah Hyde. Connor Williams is a little bit more interesting because it's a groin injury. He's listed as day-to-day. If he can't go, I think that that affects the Miami Dolphins a little bit more. He's already struggled a little bit with the snap a few times. Hasn't matter because they scored so many points. But I, I'm watching these injuries on the offensive line. If one or two of those pieces come out, it could be concerning for the Dolphins. Yeah, and a big part of their success has been the fact that Tua has gotten the ball out pretty quickly this year, and, and that makes any offensive line look better. But they've played; they certainly played better than what I think you and I were anticipating. You know, you look at Armstead, and, and I call that the old man injury report because he has three different body parts listed for the injury. What was it? It's back, ankle, knee. So he, he's really feeling it, and we're only three weeks into the season. Uh, so that you know, that's something to monitor, not just for this game, but over the course of the year. Can he hold up? Uh, he's played a lot of reps in his career. But with, with uh, Connor Williams' groin injuries, you, those are nagging. Those can cause issues in-game if you do play. Uh, they can keep you out for weeks at a time. So you're right. If those guys are replaced, one, it could really help the Bills in their run defense, uh, getting some guys in that maybe haven't gelled as much. But, you know, those few occasions where Tua does hold on to the ball, it, it could open up opportunities for this D-line that's been excellent this year uh, to get after him. Maybe they send some blitzes uh, to to kind of rattle him a little bit. They, they've been known to send Matt Milano, Taron Johnson, guys like that at times over the years. So. 
I'm really interested to see what the Bills have up their sleeve, but monitoring this offensive line for Miami between the next few days is certainly going to be interesting. And it was Ben Baldwin, by the way, uh, his Twitter handle, a computer cowboy. Uh, he put out this uh, list and it combines uh, pro football focus grade, which uh, combines 40 percent uh, sports information solutions, 40 percent. And then ESPN's pl- pass block win rate uh, accounts for 20 percent of it. The Miami Dolphins were first with a 91 score. Guess who's number three at an 88, Ryan, in pass protection? The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. How do you like that I mean, can we spend a minute here talking about the impact that Connor McGovern has had on this offensive line? Listen, we went, we've talked about it going in the season. You knew what you had at left tackle and center at a, at a, at a bare minimum level of, you know, average to most of the time above average offensive line play. If you found a similar cog in this system, you were going to find some success. And I don't think that Connor McGovern his play in and of itself, how good and solid he's been. Uh, Brandon Thorne does a great job covering line play in the league. Definitely worth a follow on Twitter. He put out a video of three different reps of Connor McGovern in the game against Washington and how he was winning against Jonathan Allen, one of the best three techniques in the league in some one-on-one situations. That is massive because we know who was there last year, right? Roger Saffold, not very good. But it's meant more for Deion Dawkins for me. Because he has looked like the Deion Dawkins of those last 10 games that we always talk about in 2021. This version of Deion Dawkins looks like that guy. And I think the guard play, especially on that left side, is a big reason why. Good guard play helps tackles. I mean, it's that simple. Look at the years that they had Richie Incognito here and how the tackles played next to him. If you have a a guy that is holding up on his own responsibilities on the inside, It makes your responsibilities on the outside that much easier to focus and zero in on. And, you know, I don't want to beat up on Roger Saffold too much here, but he had a very, very down year. Uh, I think that the Bills, when they acquired him or signed him last year in free agency, they thought that maybe there was still a year or two left on uh, in his game, and and there was not. He, He really struggled after a few weeks, and it only got worse over the course of the season. That probably caused Deion Dawkins a lot of stress. Uh, in terms of his responsibilities, seeing his uh, Saffold's guy getting beaten and trying to kind of help there do a lot of different things. Right now, he is zeroed in on his own responsibilities because of the way McGovern's played. Uh, I think on the other side, too, it's, it's why we've seen a nice little three-game stretch, well, two-game stretch. I think he had some rough moments in, in week one uh, at right tackle because of how good the rookie Osiris Torrance has been. When these guys are holding up on the inside, it really helps with Spencer Brown, Deion Dawkins, uh, and and across the line as well, obviously, too, with Mitch Morris at center. I mean, David Edwards, you know, he got 15 snaps. He looked really good. He was the top-graded pro football focus offensive lineman for the Bills, obviously in a limited snap snap, uh, sample size. But it was interesting, too, because I really like him in that role of – the, in the jumbo package, bringing out a six offensive line lineman, letting him get out in space where he's really athletic. He is a Cromer guy going back to the LA years. And I think like the Cromer effect, like you can't speak enough about what this has meant. I mentioned that Brandon Thorne um, uh, clip that he put out of McGovern. One of the comments underneath was Austin Blythe, former uh, guard in, I think guard or tackle in LA with the Rams when Cromer was there. And he's tweeted simply the Aaron Cromer effect. So when, if you want to talk about a guy that has 
respect around the league. And Roger Saffold, for as much as we just kind of maybe downplayed his season last year, he was pr- prophetic at the end of the season when he said, it, you are going to notice a significant difference in this offensive line next year because of the time on task and this group understanding their responsibilities under Cromer and time for Cromer and, and Dorsey to kind of align and get things all situated. Yeah, first and foremost with Edwards, uh, again, a big upgrade over who they had last year. They had Bobby Hart in that role, uh, and Edwards has come in and, and really done a nice job. But, you know, Aaron Cromer was kind of on the hot seat in the eyes of the Bills Mafia uh, entering this season. We had a lot of comments in our chat here, uh, in our Shout Insider chat, like, you know, is he on the hot seat this year? And both of us responded similarly and said no. I mean, last year was year one in his return to Buffalo with a – new offensive line. The only one that had played under him, like we've already mentioned was Saffold. Uh, He was learning technique, really getting these guys up to speed on it. So there were going to be some struggles year two of the players that were in this system. We've seen improvements from Deion Dawkins. We've seen improvements from Mitch Morris. We've seen big improvements from Spencer Brown. Uh, You bring in a rookie, you know, Cyrus Torrance that's looked apart and then McGovern too. And, you know, lost in all of this is how how great he's been for some of the young old linemen on this team. Ryan Vandemark is not playing a lot of regular season reps right now, but he's on the 53-man roster because of how well he's developed in the past two years under Aaron Cromer. Same thing with Alec Anderson. And when you look at this practice squad and you look at guys like Richard Garage and, and company like that, This year, we saw them play pretty well at times in the preseason, and it gets you excited for next offseason, next summer, and what those guys are going to be able to do in year two. So the Cromer effect, it's real. This O-line is playing really well under him, and, and, you know, it's hard to say that uh, one of the coaches besides Sean McDermott, because he's done an outstanding job as D coordinator, it's hard to find another coach, though, on this team that uh, has done a better job so far this, this year through three weeks. And I think if you're the Bills, you're really encouraged about this matchup because of the, su- the success that Christian – sorry, it's been a long day. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Got up early today, been down at the stadium all day. I was running down, uh, running back at about 7 o'clock. Sometimes you just got to, like, you know, plug away, get some stuff done. You know what I mean? Um, but, like, Christian, Christian Wilkins has been really good against this team. And to come off that performance against a really good interior for Washington and now have him go up against Wilkins again and Josh Allen – you know, he joked around today because he was asked about Christian Wilkins maybe playing the media game a little bit, saying that they're best buds. And uh, Josh Allen was like, yeah, I respect this game, but we don't really exchange texts too often. Um, obviously, we know the history between them and the chippy nature to their exchanges in game. But having a McGovern to deal with a Wilkins is a is a huge deal. And, you know, I mentioned the injury report. And there's another guy we got to talk about on there on the injury report for the Dolphins. That's Jalen Phillips. Yeah. Oblique injury. Um, I, I believe he played last week. I can't, I can't, I, I don't remember now. Maybe he didn't. I'm not sure, but he missed two weeks ago. If he can't go, or if he's not a hundred percent, even that is a massive storyline to track here this week. Yeah. I, I think Phillips is the uh, superstar in the making on that team. And if he's, I, I, I anticipate him playing, I'll, I'll wait and see the next two days what the injury report looks like, but I don't think he'll be at a hundred percent. And that's huge for this bills team because he has the ability to absolutely wreck games and you put him on the same line as Christian Wilkins. And, and it can be a long day at the office for O linemen and, and uh, just game plans in general. So, you know, We'll wait and see in terms of how much he plays and how he looks, and we'll we'll have a good idea 
of how severe it was based on his performance on Sunday. You don't want to build an excuse for a player, but I've seen enough of Phillips to know uh, that he has really ascended in year three, much like Greg Rousseau has. And I, I, it could be a blessing in disguise if he is hampered a little bit because, you know, if, if this defense can't get home against Josh Allen, he can progress through his reads. Uh, I think he can carve up Vic Fangio's defense like he did years ago when he was in Denver. Where do you want to go next? Oh, um, real Ryan. I mean, I yeah, just drove us to and did. from uh, DC. Washington, D.C. A lot of rain, too. I mean, I, yeah, I'd love it for you to just like, you know, pitch in, like jump, you know, jump in the few, driver's seat for a minute. There, There's a few times I was willing to jump in the driver's seat. Let's you gave me a little, a few scares the there, Perino. Oh, uh, do we want to tell that story? <laughs> no, no, we do not. Did fried you tell, pickles yeah, was almost my last Joelle? meal. Yes, did I told her that Joelle? I almost had fried pickles for my last meal. And she was what I was said that? that would have been a well, terrible way all, to go. First of all, whose fault would that be? You ordered the fried pickles. It was supposed to go on the spicy chicken sandwich, and they put it on the side. So I was having them. We had that uh, interesting moment with some semi-buddies of ours. And, it, it you know, it was just... I, I aged a few years. There's more grays than ever in this beard, Perino. But in terms of where that. we're going next, RJ had a question for us. <laughs> RJ in the Shout Insider text. He wants to know who is one or two guys that have to play lights out on defense and offense this weekend for the Bills to win. Start us off. Okay. So on defense, I'm going to stick around with Terrell Bernard. He's had two really good games. This is a whole different type of offense that the Bills are playing, but he's looked really comfortable. He looks like he knows exactly where he needs to be. We see that sideline to sideline athleticism. We see him moving guys around pre-snap, the recognition, the dropping back on plays, making good reads on the football, getting uh, creating those turnovers. And he obviously has the athleticism to blitz as well. So he's one guy on the defensive side of the ball that I think has to have a great game. Uh, I'll go away from the O-line, but obviously the O-line in general has to have a really good performance. I'll go with James Cook on offense for this team to, in terms of who has to be lights out. I've talked about it on our podcast on Sunday. I've talked about it in a few radio spots. I think a key to winning this game is ball control, time of possession, and that means the Bills moving the chains, plotting up and down the field. We've seen two games now where they've had at least one nine-minute drive. You do that, and all of a sudden, Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, they get a little frustrated on the sidelines. They might try forcing things when they get out there on the field. I, I think the Bills controlling the clock is a sneaky aspect to this game. And for them to really be able to do it, James Cook needs to have a really strong four quarters. We've seen him get better over the course of four quarters in these last two weeks, but he needs to come out of the gates hot as well. Yeah, um, I like both of those. Uh, I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball and say Dalton Kincaid is kind of stealing a little bit of our thunder for our Friday preview show. I was going to spend a little bit of time talking about why I think this can be a Dalton Kincaid game, but we'll get into it right now. The Miami Dolphins, when Jalen Ramsey went down at the beginning of the season, that altered the way that they're playing defense. And so they had to bring out uh, Cater Kohu out from the from the slot, out to the boundary. Uh, we talked to um, Daniel Oyafusi uh, from the Miami Herald about that on yesterday's podcast. And what that's done is forced them to play Justin Bethel, Bethel a primarily special teamer over the course of his career in the slot. 
I think this is Dal- this is Dalton Kincaid's window into a big game, whether it's 12, whether it's 11, however you can get him on the field. I don't think Dalton Kincaid should come off the field in this game. Like, I think he should play 80, 90, 95% of the snaps. If, if you got to peel back Dawson Knox a little bit, do it. And here's the other piece of this too, that I think is really important. So I asked um, Josh Allen about Dalton today, and I'm going to bring up this quote exactly because I don't want to get it wrong. And, you know, we shouldn't talk more about that driving incident, but I do want to explain myself <laughs> at some point. Um, my wife, my wife commented in here that he usually drives like a grandpa. Uh, so he, she was surprised to hear about it. Listen, we'll, we'll get into the story later. Uh, we'll see. So he said, um, we spent a lot of time together, Josh Allen and Dalton Kincaid, just making sure that we're right on certain routes. As we get into the season, I only see his involvement in what we're doing going up because he's a special player. So we need to continue to find ways to get him the ball and allow him to go and utilize his skills. To me, that was a sneak preview into what I think we could see. It's been week after week, and we've been waiting for that uptick for Kincaid. I think this is the matchup. I think this is the spot. And I think, you know, if they're spending that much time together, maybe they have some things cook they could cook up for this matchup. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they were attacking Bethel early in this game. Bethel has been a very good special teams player throughout his career. Uh, but like you said, he has not been a regular player on defense. And if the Bills have success with Kincaid, I wonder if it would force them to show their hand or to change things up, move Cater Kohu back into the slot. I believe it's Cam Smith, the second round pick that they really haven't been playing much. But he has the pedigree that you could play him on the outside uh, along with Xavier Howard and Maybe the Bills can either force their hand a little bit or you just keep attacking it. If it's a weakness and you're winning, go back to that well as many times as you need because in that specific matchup, I'll go with Dalton Kincaid 10 times out of 10 against Justin Bethel. On defense, um, I was thinking about a couple different options, but I'll go with my player to watch uh, that I'm that I'm going to have on Buffalo Kickoff Live on Sunday. I'll give everybody a little sneak preview there. Daquan Jones, Ryan, he has been the, uh, I was talking to Elena Getzenberg from ESPN and she had up um, uh, the true media stats uh, and she was looking at pass rush win rate. Daquan Jones is like top five in the NFL right now. And to me, that's such a huge deal because everybody that's rushing to uh, around Jones, I feel like has the chance to have success in this game. And that's important because it's not going to be all about the hits and the sacks. I think the bills are going to be able to get to two at times, but it's not all about that. It's about affecting him, getting him to get out of his rhythm, really causing chaos in the pocket. And I think Jones is kind of like the guy that really starts that going. I think Ed Oliver has been the straw that stirs the drink, but I think uh Daquan Jones is the tequila uh, in, in the margarita, man. I mean, the guy has just been <laughs> really, really good. And I think that he has a chance to really, set that tone for everybody else around him first of all we need that to get clipped out of this episode he's the tequila in the margarita that is a phenomenal line yeah listen daquan jones is you know jokingly on social media pointing out all these graphics that have all the bills d linemen and their stats and he always seems to get left out of them and he has been a game wrecker through three games he had just as many pressures as some of the teammates that made those graphics in certain matchups uh, but he keeps getting left off. So maybe this will be the performance where he 
he outshines them and they they force him to uh or he forces them i should say to put some graphics up on social media in game getting after the quarterback stopping the run making big plays for this defense but he's been phenomenal and you know we saw last year how good he was when he was healthy and we saw how bad this d-line looked in the playoff game when he couldn't go against the Bengals. aj what was what are we doing here aj gel does not go in this hair okay there is a specific product, product that goes mm-hmm. in this hair it is not gel i will school you up on that next time i see you um Another good comment here, Gregory uh, points out, I cannot believe that we are ignoring how average the Dolphins' defense has been against two mediocre offenses. They gave up 31, 32, whatever it was to the Chargers. Uh, so it was 36, defense... wasn't it like 38, 36 final, something like oh, okay. that? Oh, uh, and the And the Bills are not being talked about how good their offense is. And I agree. I, I said that on the radio yesterday. Like, this is not a, an offense for the Bills that is fearful of the Miami Dolphins defense it, it Vic Fangio is a good defensive coordinator he's had success in this league but early on I mean they're probably going to be a different version of this defense in December but I think there's a lot of really good things this Bills offense could do and they have more to throw at this Miami Dolphins team I think the Bills are more different in this matchup offensively against the Miami defense than the Miami offense is against the Bills defense like I think that there are potential upgrades the Bills defense has you mentioned Terrell Bernard if he plays the way that he did last week, it has that kind of impact on the game or even close to that. That is a huge difference from some of the games that we've seen with when they've had Tremaine Edmonds. Sure. And you throw Trey White, who I thought had a nice performance last week against the Commanders. He didn't play uh, in that first matchup against the Dolphins last year, and he's looking a little bit more like himself. This D-line, the way that they're playing right now, is uh, light years ahead of how they looked post Von Miller's injury last year. There's a lot working in Buffalo's favor in terms of how they how they look coming into this game. Offensively, they have a lot of different skill sets and talented players uh, that they didn't have a year ago for these matchups. Obviously, Dalton Kincaid's at the top of that list, but they have some bruising backs that can move the chains on the inside in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. They have the speed option in Cook, who's been there. Upgraded O-line. Uh, Deontay Hardy, who they're trying to utilize, really hasn't worked out yet. But there's, there's just... a uh, a plethora of guys on both sides of the ball that the bills have that are kind of these X factors that maybe the dolphins don't have a lot of tape on or uh, experience playing against where obviously there's guys like Allen and Diggs that they know very well, but I think the bills can kind of uh, throw some surprises with these newer faces on this team. Throw some surprises at all your guests that are coming over to hang out, to watch this game. Maybe you're going down to the dolphins bills game early to tailgate. Whatever you're doing, make sure Tops Friendly Markets is part of your plan. Start your Slider Sunday winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season and earn rewards to redeem for free product, brand swag, tailgating gear, and more. Visit the Tops Deli section and look for the bright orange Kings Hawaiian display to scan the QR for a chance to instantly win tailgating prizes. And visit topsmarkets.com slash slider sunday for awesome slider recipes. All right, Ryan. We'll be back on Friday. We're going to give our final thoughts on this game, predictions, uh, and bring you everything else from uh, Orchard Park in South Florida as we get ready for this game. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun one. Looking forward to it, Matt. Take care, everybody.